Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined as ever by the inimitable Jake McGee. Wow, I'm, I don't even know what that means, but thank you. <laughs> and the incomparable Dave Somerville. You know what? I'm just going to assume to be offended, but okay. All right. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> How are you doing today, guys? I, I really wish I brought my thesaurus. Like, oh. Oh, I, did, I think Neil's a headbutt at dictionary earlier, so yeah, we're we're all uh, we're all good for today. But um, yeah, just uh, can't wait to get started today. Excellent stuff. Uh, plenty of news. We, we I thought it was going to sort of calm down now that the draft's over and everyone's just going to be busy signing uh, all those uh, contracts for the rookies. And, but there's been plenty of movement still going on around the league. Uh, Jake, why don't you take it away and give us some of the the top headlines from the past week in the NFL? Yeah, so like you say, we, we thought free agency was going to quiet down a little bit, but some teams still out there surprising us. I, I think the biggest surprise of the week to me, although it was kind of in the works in terms of was he going to get traded or cut, was the Giants releasing James Bradbury. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he had a large cap hit, $21.8 million. Um, The Giants save $10.1 million by cutting him, but they do take 11.7 in dead money. So you're cutting your starting cornerback. And you're still paying him 11.7 million to not be on your team. Uh, the interesting thing I saw was that the Giants are 30th in cash spending, which is just nothing really to do with the cap. Obviously, the cap is a myth. Um, <laughs> still, but just, still, still on that bandwagon. Still, even still after the even after cornerback, I, I still stick by that. Uh, the cap is a myth. But well, what what would be all, the re- what would be the reason? What would be the reason for cutting someone like Bradbury? I mean, he's a great player. Oh, he's not going to be short of um, suitors. I mean, I think you'll be looking at teams like the Raiders and the Commanders are interested. Yeah, I'll cry if he goes to the Chiefs. Uh, and then the other team that could really do with a cornerback um, could be the Eagles. So there's a, a a good chance the Giants might end up playing him twice a year and live to regret it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like the fact that they're getting rid of him. It does appear to be financially motivated, but yeah. sort of. Yeah. As you say, I mean, you're, so you could say you're saving, what, 11 million, was it? 10.1 saving, but taking 11.7 dead money. I, that makes no sense to me. I, just, I don't get it. I think, I've never understood I the cap, so I'm just... Oh, this is yeah. one of uh, Dave Gettleman's, you know, parting gifts. But <laughs> I, maybe I'm just very spoiled as a Saints fan, you know. The, the cap really is, like, you can manipulate it. You can push it back, you know. The Giants surely somehow, some way could have made this work, but releasing your starting cornerback is, you know, after having such a good draft and you know, all in all, a pretty good off season. This kind of just brings you back down to earth and be like, oh, it's the Giants. Of course, they do this. It'll be interesting. It stained it quite a lot. Yeah. I, I, sorry, Ian. You know, I was I cut you off. I was just going to say it stained. I think their preseason so much. I mean, they, you know, that's one of their, their literal star players. I, I'm guessing that he wants. He was seeing other players getting paid so much money, and he wants a bit of that. So uh, that that would be, you know, that it could be a case that they wanted to, uh, you know, free up some cap space this year. But at the same time, maybe they're not done in the free agency either, or in or in trades. You, you just don't know. I think the Giants are having a bit of a peculiar one. They did so well in the draft, and then now, I, I that that's a that's a thumbs down from me. I think that he's a great cornerback and yeah I, I think the only problem is he might expect to be paid the kind of figures that Jalen Ramsey and Ward are getting paid so it's got to be financially motivated on both sides 
I think the chance not want to pay him. It it doesn't make sense to me. He's a, he's a great player. It'll be really interesting to see where he goes. I mean, if he does, I mean, if they trade, if he goes, signs for a team in the division, that's just <sighs> that's a double whammy for the Giants. It really is. That's, I mean, that's we've seen it with with Bobby Bobby Wagner. He's yeah. going to be playing his team twice a year. I mean, the team, you know, players, especially like Bradbury. Now he's still getting paid by the Giants, even though he's obviously been cut. There's still a contract there, and then he can go, you know, pretty much take his pick. Like I say, he's not going to be short of uh, suitors. So if he's really bitter and petty like I am, I'd be like, yeah, Eagles, you need a cornerback. <laughs> I need to go beat the Giants twice. <laughs> let's let's get married. Right, Dave, I think whatever happens in the future in this podcast, we're not allowed to cut Jake because he'll be so, <laughs> he'll, so petty. He's I'll so... join another podcast. And just... <laughs> but there's, there's, no, there's no way if you go to another podcast that would paying you any kind of salary because we're not paying you one anyway at the moment. So... It's just gonna Jake would get be, that out of the way. No, 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 no. Jake, Jake would be having his own little podcast, you know, with uh, Mr. Teddy Barrington's. Uh, you know, it's going to be his special guest. He's going to have a, a little, uh, nice little dining table dinner party with all his little teddy bears. You know, and he's wow. he's going to be have the best co- podcast ever. This, It'll just right, be Jake. one this... long Jake hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'll be moving on uh, shortly after the, after the rest of the news. Uh, anything else happen around the league, Jake? Uh, well, we mentioned Bobby Wagner, so you know the Rams have already got a mention. So I'll mention this one in terms of Sony Michelle. Obviously, used to play for the Rams, played for the Patriots. He is signing with the Dolphins, yes. so he joins a completely new backfield in Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Um, so you know, like I say, I said earlier, I think in a, one of the earlier episodes, no kind of hide on what the Dolphins are going to do this year. Um, as a Saints fan, it's very sad because rumours kept on hotting up that you know he was going to visit us and it would be a great signing. I think it's a great signing for the Dolphins. It's just, there's a lot of miles to field there. So from a Michelle point of view, um, the Saints with Kamara are most likely going to be suspended for some games yeah. and not many de- you know not much depth behind them. I mean, we've drafted a guy or brought up an undrafted guy, but... I feel like he would have got more playing time at the Saints. Um, but maybe when he visited the Dolphins, they've kind of told him, this is the system, this is what we're going to do. But there's a lot of miles to feed there. As you say, it's a it's a completely revamped backfield. Uh, but it's a lot of talent in it. It's a mm-hmm. lot of talent in this backfield. Looking forward to to seeing them play, actually. Um, I, I always liked, I liked Mah- Mah- uh, Raheem Mostert, sorry, uh, when he was with the 49ers. Um, I'm not sure how much of that was the the Shanahan effect, yeah. uh, but he's a very, very quick player. I mean, he can run, flat out run. Um, and they they did have Philip Lindsay last year, but I believe they released him, and Philip Lindsay's now a free mm-hmm. agent. Yes. They have, they have five running backs. They have five, at the moment, the Dolphins have five running backs on their books, uh, including most of Edmonds and Sonny Michelle that we've mentioned, but they've also got Miles Gaskin, who's still there. Uh, and I think uh, it's Salvin Ahmed as well. Is still kicking about. So they've, I mean, they've got plenty of depth if they're wanting to focus on the run game. But you know, there, there might be one Tyreek Hill. That's something to say about that if they want to focus on the run game a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's kind of bizarre just watching what the Dolphins are doing just now. Um, a, a lot of movement. I like a lot of movement. You know, they're trying to improve their team. Just not convinced they're going about it quite the right way. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Tidy Kell's an exceptional wide receiver. They paid an awful lot for him. Um, uh, but Sony Michel, I think, is uh, I think he's a good player. I think he'll do quite well, if, as long as he gets the touches. 
Because as you say, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, Jake. It's always ominous when a free agent sign-in is made and the contract is not released. It normally means it's not a great contract because the agent isn't going, oh, look what I've got. The agent's going, yeah, we signed for the Dolphins. That's the end of the story. <laughs> if it's a very good contract, they're very quick to be like, look what I did. Um, so I've not seen any contract details, which makes me think Dolphins probably got him you know, fairly cheap. I think it's two, two, mil. two million it, is what I've seen. Not bad at all, really, for, for that caliber of player. Yeah, yeah. I th- the, he was with the Rams last year, and you know he, he kind of came in as our uh, th- the mainly third down running back, or when we were just wanting a few, uh, or trying to get like three four yards uh, with the run. I, I don't think we used him to what he's fully capable of. I don't think he really played as well as he was capable of either. Um, but yeah, I think if they they may go for like a kind of two or three rotation wide uh, running back. Uh, role and include Sony Michelle in that. He's still quite young. He's still in his twenties, so I, I actually expect seven, him to be I think older. so. Yeah. 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 Now uh, the only other signings I've kind of seen uh, was former Patriot Calvin Noy signing with the Chargers. Yeah, so um, that former Bill Jerry Hughes just signed with the Texans, and then former Falcons running back Mike Davis signed with the Ravens, which you know. Is a very Ravens move, you know. <laughs> Another team that just loves collecting running backs. Well, quite right. Uh, they, they can afford to run by committee because they run 80% of the time. Yeah. So you know, they've got no issues with that. Um, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Van Noy going to the Chargers. The Chargers are going all out. They really are just to improve every position that they possibly can. And they're really trying to beef up this defense. I mean, that's great depth to bring in someone like Kyle Van Noy. But just again, one of those... When he left the Patriots, didn't really do much. Went yeah. back to the Patriots, gets another move. So yeah. we'll see if it pans out. But he's not going to be asked to be the star man, you know, with Bosa and Mac there. No. So but he can kind of just chip in. Yeah, he doesn't need to be the star man. I, I think it'll be also a very good presence in the locker room for them. And the Chargers make another great move. And I think I'm, I'm slightly scared of the Chargers coming into this season. They, they could be very, very good if... Um, I've forgotten the quarterback's name. Oh my God, Justin Herbert! Whoa, <laughs> Justin Herbert! If Justin Herbert continues on his trajectory from the last two seasons, uh, then I think the Chargers are going to be right up there battling for the AFC title. I firmly believe that they may not win the West purely because of Kansas City. I still think Kansas City are the the best team in the AFC West. Um. But as we'd alluded to, what, three weeks ago, it's entirely possible that all four teams from the AFC West make the playoffs this year. <laughs> so just because they, they might not win the division, I think the Chargers are going to be right there. Nobody will want to meet them in the playoffs. Not, no one. Because Especially like you say, they could end up being, you know, sixth, seventh seed, eighth, you know, and then all of a sudden you think, oh, okay, well, I've won my division. What's my reward? Oh, I get to play the Chargers. Exactly. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about a team that if they play to their potential, because it's all about potential, isn't it? It's all about potential. If the Chargers oh. play to their potential and play to what they are on paper, they could be looking at a 14-3, and 13-4 season, but we'll have to play a wild card. I mean, it, you, that, it doesn't make yeah. sense. That makes no sense. That would, that would be a... That yeah, that'd be a one seed record in any other, <laughs> in, in any other you know year. 
but it's just that you're looking at it and something it, it's not I don't think it's going to go this way I don't think that you know the Chiefs are going to go 16 and 1 and you know the Chargers go 15 and 2 and the Broncos go 14 and 3 and the Raiders go 14 and 3 and they, and they just sort of beat it, beat you up on each other and, and beat everyone else I don't think it's going to happen but if it did happen then this is the year for it to happen. All four teams, the AFC West, have improved in my mind. Even the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought they had a great draft. Yes, they lost Tyreek Hill, but I think if anyone can get over the loss of a wide receiver, it's Patrick Mahomes, um, particularly with Andy Reid in charge. I think from like the last couple of years, the NFC West has been quite like that. Mm. The majority of the time, every team's had a winning record. Um, and, you know, it... Only one, of course, gets to be champions of the actual division. So I, I'm I'm intrigued. Um, but you know, obviously, in in other news, that the Broncos are going to have to travel to LA tw- uh, twice next year. Uh, you know, which unlucky for the Broncos. Um, obviously, since uh, the only other bit of news, obviously of note, is that the LA Rams get to welcome the Denver Broncos on Christmas Day to Los Angeles. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. I mean, to me, they blend into both. By the time I wake up, it's Boxing Day, so it's fine. But um, yeah, um, Russell Wilson coming back to be haunted again and targeted and taken down and have his life reevaluated by Aaron Donald. Cannot wait for it. It's fantastic Christmas Day. Well done to the NFL for putting on a treat for myself. I'll be honest, I I thought that, because I knew the Broncos were playing the Rams this year. Mm-hmm. I thought it might have been opening day mm. because you know it would, have been a good the, uh, it would have been you know the the Super Bowl champions going up against you know the, uh, Russell Wilson coming from the division and everyone can't wait to see what he's going to do in Denver everyone you know can't wait to see what the Rams are going to be this year with the acquisitions that they've made I thought that would have been a really good opener Christmas Day I'll take that I always I yeah, love watching I, football over Christmas I think um, I think that would have been even bad by the NFL standards to you know Russell Wilson he spent his entire professional career in, in Seattle the very first game of the year that's he's not in Seattle they force him on a flight back to the west coast to, <laughs> to play the Rams so that, that would be quite horrible and you know you, you, you know I'd rather the Broncos didn't start 0-1 so you know oh, you've, you've got until goodness Christmas sakes. Ah, yeah. We 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 can talk about the, our predictions for the season later on, and predictions for each team's records. We'll do that, you know, in, in upcoming episodes. Um, any other news that we might have missed, gentlemen? Just the the biggest news really that came out today in terms of one Tom Brady agreeing to join Fox Sports when his playing career ends, which again doesn't set a timetable. Could be next year. Could be five years now, Tom Brady. Um, but he's going to join um, Fox Sports as their um, analyst. He's also going to be an ambassador for them and deal with clients and promotional initiatives, which basically means we're just going to make him do a lot of things. Which, considering the money they're going to pay him, um, I think he, he needs to be doing a lot of things. Put out that's going to be uh, 10 years, $375 million, which is more than he's earned his entire football career. Thanks to taking pay cuts in Patriots. So, they monstrous numbers. That is a lot of money. I mean, I've put in our in our group chat about when Tony Romo, who was one of the first like modern quarterbacks to go into uh, the analyst chair, he signed his first contract was three year, ten million. 
obviously hit the ground running. Everybody loved what he did. Uh, his new deal, which was considered, you know, crazy, uh, you know, even though he earned it, it's crazy. It was 10 years, 180 million, which is not even half of what Tom Brady is getting paid. And, um, you know, no, no doubt in what Tom Brady can do on the field, but we've never heard him off the field. So that's a, a lot of money that they're gambling on Tom yeah. Brady being great. Uh, another thing in his life. I, I'm going to be honest, I don't see it. I've seen interviews with Brady and I, I, I don't. I don't see it. I don't think he's got the charisma to be as effective as Tony Romo's been. Do you know what I would love to see? I, I used to love the, uh, back in the day when you had John Madden and Pat Summerall calling games. It was yes. uh-huh. just, it was the best. Pat Summerall seemed to, he didn't, it's almost like he didn't say anything at all except what was happening. I remember what, uh, watching the, the, um, what would it have been? What, Super Bowl oh, 24, 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, the Denver Broncos, and Joe Montana just shredding the Broncos secondary. And Pat Summerall's calls were like, Montana, back to pass, Taylor, touchdown. And that was it. You're like, what What actually happened? If you'd listened to that on the radio, you're like, yeah, it's hopeless. But Pat Summerall wasn't a radio commentator. He was a television commentator. And he didn't mm-hmm. feel the need to fill up, you know, the, everything. Because the the games are called on the radio, and the radio uh, commentators just describe everything that's going on. They don't tend to do that in the television. Pat Summerall was a king of not saying anything. And then, of course, as soon as the play was over, John Madden would speak for about 20 minutes. You know? Break every inch of it down. <laughs> every yes. inch of it down. John Madden was the, the king. Um, but my favourite play caller is Kevin Harlan. He is just, he is the best he gets. He's got so much enthusiasm and uh, just so, I don't know, he gets into it, calling the plays. And some of the, the language that he uses is um, interesting, shall we say. You know, he has some interesting ways of seeing what people have done on the field. And I love Tony Romo as an analyst. And I'd see if you could get Kevin Harlan and Tony Romo together, calling games Ah, that would be that would be me. I'd be at my happiest since Pat Summerall and John Madden. Definitely. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the, the charisma, but when Tony Romo first went into the booth, I don't think anyone really gave him a chance. You know, nobody really thought, "Oh, yes, this is going to be a home run." It was, you know, after a few games, everyone's like, oh, "Hold on, I've never heard this man speak so well." You know, and kind of explaining things. So, I don't think many people thought Tony Romo was going to be as successful as he is. I mean, with Tom Brady, you kind of just assume, almost like with Bill, Bill Belichick, you just assume that it's like, oh, it'll work out. It always works out for them. Sixth round uh, commentary pick. No, I'm not <laughs> so sure about that. But um, with... Um, well, I, I, I mean, think... <laughs> sorry to interrupt you there, Dave. No, was, I, I think, I mean, like, Phil Sims is hopeless. Yes. Like, he's hopeless. Yeah, He's just awful. He's one of the worst people, uh, um, analysts, ever. I've never heard anything like it. He's just absolute nonsense. He talks about things that aren't happening. He often, like when he was doing the, what do they call that thing that they write on? It's not a teleprompter. That's <laughs> that's the, the thing that, oh, what's, what's, you know the thing I mean. Don't yes. they, they draw the lines, yeah? And he'd be circling the wrong guy. 
And you're like, what are you doing, Phil? I mean, I think he's he's back in the, the halftime team now. I don't think he's doing commentating anymore, Phil. So I really hope not. Uh-huh. And he always, I swear to God, I, I'm not making this up. It's going to sound like I'm making this up. But it was like every time he was commentating on a Broncos game, the Broncos lost. Every single time. To the point, well, and I'm not making this up, like Broncos fans were on Twitter saying, stop Phil Sims from commentating on our games. Because every time he does, we lose. And I was like, oh, tell some she's to do my head. Troy Aikman's pretty good. I like Troy Aikman. Do the Broncos win when he commentates? Sometimes. <laughs> Listen, you know what they say? Like, and well, there used to be an advert. I forget what it is, but it's only weird if it doesn't work. So see all your pregame, your pregame um, rituals and stuff that people do, right? It's only weird if it doesn't work. If it works, it's not weird. And or the opposite yeah, of that is. I, 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 you know, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say it. It could be. It could get even worse uh, if you kind of step on a grid and think that a six foot seven basketball player is Patrick Mahomes. That, that could oh, right. make things okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> that could make things Thank worse. <laughs> we need to talk about this. For, <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for those who don't know, the uh, Miami Grand Prix. Uh, was on on Sunday there. Um, I think it was eight twenty five in UK PM UK time mm-hmm. eight twenty five yeah. or eight thirty something like that. And uh, I turned it on. I think just before eight o'clock, you know, to watch some of the pre pre race. And uh, one of the things was Martin Brundle's grid walk. Now I don't like Martin Brundle's grid walk. I've never liked it as a section. Now I have no issues with someone else doing it, but I don't like Martin Brundle. Never have done. I never will. But Sunday's grid walk was a sight to behold because he's getting jostled around by people. He's wearing this shirt that if, if you haven't seen it, you just, you know, look it up, Google Images. He's, I don't know how you would describe what he's wearing, but it's just awful to look at. And he's trying to interview these celebrities he tries to interview the, the Williams sisters, the t- tennis players, uh, Venus and Serena, and he, they just, they're walking past him. And I, I believe it was Serena Williams he's trying to talk to. And she clearly is finished with Martin Brundle walking. And he's just chasing after her. And you're like, let it go. And then he tries to get a hold of Christian Horner, I think it is, the Red Bull team principal, Red Bull. And is he, is he the principal? Is that what he is? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So he's trying to get a hold of him, but he's currently being interviewed by, I believe it's David Coulthard. And Christian Horner just kind of looks at Martin Brundle and then just sort of turns away, which is, I love it. He's like, I'm not talking to this guy again. And he's talking to David Coulthard. So Martin Brundle goes off and then we hear him say, and I know you guys were watching this. Martin Brundle says, oh, I've just heard that there's a guy called Patrick Mahomes here. So of course my ears immediately, oh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm sitting at my kitchen table. Got the telly on in the background there. And it's, oh, Patrick Mahomes. I was like, oh. And my wife is sitting across the table from me. And even, like, she doesn't watch the NFL, but she watches it by proxy because I watch it. Okay, so she knows who Patrick Mahomes is. She's heard of him. She knows he's a quarterback. She could probably maybe say that he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so, setting the scene for you. And... Martin Brundle's walk along, he goes, um, I believe he, he plays for, 
I think he actually said he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Is that what he said at the time? I think so. And then he, he spies this guy and he says, that must be him, the really tall guy. Now, I wasn't actually watching the television. At this point, because I see, I've got it on beside me here, I kind of turn around, I'm going, well, I don't know how short Martin Brundle is, but Patrick Mahomes isn't particularly tall. Now, he's not, not short. That's describe him. That's not how you would yeah. describe him. Which one's Patrick Mahomes? He's a big, huge, tall guy. Um, no, I don't, I don't think he is. So, he's walking up to this guy. This guy's got his back turned. Even from the back and from quite a distance, I can tell that's not Patrick Mahomes. I don't know who this is, but it's not Patrick Mahomes. And the guys at Martin Brown are like, Patrick, Patrick. And of course, the guy doesn't turn around. He's just sort of walking away from him. And he's like, Patrick. And my wife turns to the telly and says, that's not Patrick Mahomes, is it? I said, no, <laughs> no, dear. It's not. I don't know who that is, but it's not Patrick Mahomes. And then the guy turns around and... And I'm thinking, I, I don't know who that guy is. And my wife, my beloved, sitting across the table says, he's probably a basketball player. Look at, the, look at the height of him. And I'm going, yeah, he is. He's, he's really tall. He must be like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so he's a big, tall guy. And he turns around and Martin Brundle starts interviewing this guy, calling him Patrick. And you're just going, that's not, surely... Someone is screaming in Martin Brundle's ear. That is not Patrick Mahomes. You work for Sky Sports and you don't know one of the biggest stars on one of the sports that you ex almost exclusively cover in the UK. Right? And we're not talking about, I don't know what. <laughs> it's tobogganing in, in Iceland. Well. You know, it's like, it's huge. You're in America. You, you know that there's going to be all these American stars there and you hear Patrick Mahomes is there. The first thing that he should have done was said, well, you know, turn his mic off and went, what does he look like? <laughs> For all he knew, Patrick Mahomes could have been a white guy. I mean, we, I, we don't know. We don't know what Martin Brundle's got in his ear. Patrick Mahomes could have had long blonde hair. He could look like Trevor Lawrence. For all we know, he's got but when Martin Brundle said, it must be that guy, he's really tall. You think, what? Where did you get this from? I couldn't believe it. I was, I was howling. And of course, Twitter exploded. But at the same time, myself, Jake, Andy were all messaging each other backwards and forth saying, what is he doing? Now, I did not know the gentleman's name uh, to look at him. Does anyone, um, it's one of you guys? Who, who yeah, was it? Yeah, Paolo Paolo yeah, Paolo Banchero. He's a he's a basketball player in, uh, at Duke currently, uh, and I think he's actually entering the twenty two uh, NBA draft. Right. So, so he's still in know, college. He's, he's coming into the draft. He's this still year. in college. He's nineteen. He's still in college. He's I think maybe four or five inches taller. No, sorry. He's uh, I, I beg your pardon. He's six foot ten. Right. Six foot now, ten. <laughs> so in in kind of alternative money he's two meters and eight centimeters and he's only 19 right so there's a good chance of when he stops growing officially he could be 611 right now i don't i get the feeling martin brundo does not watch a lot of any of um, the nfl just Do you think? or anything anything in america completely because i mean your wife you're know, fantastic by her to spot it 
but at the same time, I get the feeling Stevie Wonder could spot that. <laughs> I, I, that just... is just... That is this kind of, you know, there, there's a Dave hot take for today. Stevie Wonder can spot that that isn't Patrick Mahomes, but Martin Brundle can't. Yeah, well, it's now become a dream of mine to see what a six foot ten, six foot eleven quarterback would look like. Because, well, from growing up and playing Madden and watching a lot of YouTube, people will do the tallest team against the smallest mm-hmm. team. Just so on the, on the field, it looks ridiculous. I, I now want to see a six foot ten quarterback. And I just want to see how, what it looks like because it would be hilarious. I mean, they would have great vision, um, but mobility probably not their strong point. I, I, I don't see. think hand, hand size won't be the problem there anyway. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> you know, no, it won't. I seem to remember years ago. I'm going. I'm going way back in the '90s. There was um, uh, Michael Jordan. Now I don't know how tall Michael Jordan is. I've got no. Could someone check? Michael Jordan's height for me. I want to say 6'7", but I might be wrong. A big guy. I don't think it was 6'10". That's that's huge. Um, I think he's 6'6". Oh, is he only 6'6"? He's only, sorry. He's so small. Well, he's a basketball player. I mean, yes. He's a basketball player. When I say only 6'6". He's only an inch taller than me. Yeah, he's only one inch taller than you, and he also only went third pick in the draft, so big fail for Michael there. (laughs) But uh, Michael Jordan, he also played baseball, uh, but apparently he was very good at uh, playing the quarterback position as well. So, oh, but, six, he was only, six, but he was only 6'6", six, 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 not 6'10". Six, yeah. Brock Osweiler was 6'7", wasn't he? 6'7", and 6'8". <laughs> and, and Paxton, yeah, yeah, Paxton yeah. Lynch, I think, was also about 6'7". How, how um, did these ones work out? Oh, terrible. Just the yeah, worst. I'll tell you what, John Elway is lucky. He was a good quarterback. Well, a great quarterback because he's a big, his, his um, scouting abilities are, are questionable. Well, see, I've got a theory about this. I do have a theory about this. Now, I'm going off on a small tangent here, gentlemen, so I do apologize. But I think it was Mark Schlereth, the old offensive lineman who played for the, the Washington Redacted and then with the Denver Broncos, they were talking about why is John Elway rubbish at drafting quarterbacks or evaluating quarterbacks? I mean, surely if you're one of the greatest to ever do it, you should know what a good quarterback you look for yourself. But the problem is, as Mark Schlereth said, he says, well, I was an offensive lineman for all those years in the NFL. He says, I couldn't tell you what a good offensive lineman looks like but I know a good defensive end and defensive tackle when I see one because that's what he's playing against. So it, and it, it sort of does make a lot of sense because if you are a quarterback, I'll bet you you can evaluate cornerbacks a heck of a lot safeties. better and safeties and linebackers because that's who you're studying every single day. What's the safety doing? What's that inside linebacker doing? You know, what's the cornerback? Is he on his back foot? What's he? So you'll be able to see everything that's going on in the secondary. And and you're even looking at, you know, the pass rushers. And, you know, he's in this stance. He might be coming in here. He's going to go inside. I mean, I bet you Peyton Manning could probably drop the greatest defensive draft of all time. I, I guarantee it. You know, someone who is such a student of the game. I say a student of the game. Good grief, that professor of the game, that man. Um, we would be able to do it. And you know what, Tom Brady, for all the for all the grief I give Mr. Brady, he's been doing it for twenty what is this, twenty-two seasons? 
Is this the 23rd season in the NFL coming up? Oh, oh, too many. Too, yeah. too I, don't think he, I, I don't think even he counts anymore. <laughs> right. Well, I'll bet you that when he finally hangs it up, if he doesn't become a, a commentator and maybe he decides to go for some sort of back office job somewhere, I'll bet you he'd be fantastic at evaluating defensive talent. I think 375 million says otherwise. I well, I know. I, th- I think he will. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not going to do that. He'd be daft. He'd be absolutely well, daft. Romo, like that, that's why everyone was impressed with when Tony Romo first uh, was in the booth, was he would pick up these plays and say, "Okay, the defense is doing this," mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Oh, he knows exactly what this defense is doing, like in real time." It's like, "Well, yeah, that was that was his job." Like, of course, he can kind of pick yeah. it apart. Yeah, it's just it's it's just crazy. Uh, anyway, I I went right off topic there. I don't know how we got to talking about Tom Brady. I blame Martin Brundle. Oh yeah, it's all Martin Brundle's fault. Because man, do your homework, Martin. Do your and homework. If you're listening, Martin, we apologise. I don't. <laughs> Absolutely don't apologise at all. We're trying to get people on. If Martin Brundle wants to come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, we can't, we can't so, go that Someone no, tells no, me he would not have much to bring to the table. Jake, you, you, <laughs> I know you're a massive F1 fan. You're a uh, Haas is your team, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I like Haas. Uh, you like, you like Haas, yeah. Uh, I used to be, it used to be Force India for me when Paul Deresta was driving for them. Um, and I liked the decals on the car. But of course, they, they became a uh, racing point, didn't they? And they, so they're, they're sort of defunct now. Force India, as it were. They they were my team. But what you you've been watching F one for you know quite intently, Jake. All my life, pretty much. Pretty much all your life. What do you think of Martin Brundle? What's your opinion I, on I, him? I, I don't. He's the the least of my issues when it comes to some some of the things on Sky with the the other commentators and some of the. It, it feels very Americanized in terms of uh, constantly showing your replays and. Uh, not actually showing the action. So he's, he's the least of my issues. I don't mind Martin Brundle. This, this is it, true. The, the replays. So, sorry, to, sorry to, to interrupt you there, Jake. I, I will let you finish that. That I just need to get the replays off my chest. Um, w- w- listen, I have no issue with replays. But don't show a replay of something that's happening between ninth and 10th place while first and second are really scrapping it out in the last couple of laps. It's just... Made no or, sense to me. Or cut away to the so-called fans that are lounging at the swimming pool, oh. or, uh, you know, posting up pictures on Instagram and not even w- remotely interested in the race. Why, why do Why do you suppose they do that? I understand in you know in the NFL they show fans all the time, but usually it's these mental fans who are dressed up in the strangest get-ups that you've ever mm-hmm. seen, and they're doing some weird. Stuff. <laughs> self-censored there. Careful. Self-censored. Um, you know, and I get that. Or they show some of the funny signs that fans are holding up. But in, in F1, I don't I don't get it. Sorry, Jake. I, I interrupted you there. Carry on. Carry on. No, no. I, I pretty much finished my thing anyway. Like I say, I think we all agree with the coverage leaves. That, that, if this was an F1 podcast, that would be my hot take, is that just that their coverage of it is uh, very annoying to me. And speaking of hot takes, is this a good segue into our next segment? I mean, I maybe did that on purpose. You might have done. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, we will introduce this week's edition of... Jake's Hot Takes. Take it away, Mr. McGee. I've got a, a warning. It's, it's not a good show 
from here on out if you support the the Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So <laughs> for the, the you know maybe two people that support the, the Raiders, now might be a good time to go make a cup of tea. Um, but you can move the Raiders from Oakland to Vegas, uh, but you cannot escape being a tumultuous franchise. Uh, it's been a, a busy week for all the wrong reasons, really, with the Raiders. Um, they've announced that the team president, Dan Ventrell, is no longer with the team. Uh, Ventrell has come out saying owner Mark Davis ignored allegations of a hostile work environment. And then when Dan brought this up to the NFL, he was subsequently fired. Uh, and then just a day before, another executive, Jeremy Aguero, uh, who was the chief operations and analytics officer, resigned after only seven months with the team. Now, no explanation was given by the team. It feels very ominous. It feels almost similar to what's been happening in Washington the last couple of years in terms of the back office. Uh, and my biggest worry is, you know, after such a great off-season from the Raiders and, you know, on the field, they look like the real deal. Just off the field, they continue to be a mess. I mean, Dan Ventrell has only just become the um, president but he's been with that team since 2003, and their message when he left was just basically, he's no longer with the team, no further comment. I mean, you cannot be more ominous in terms of someone that's spent basically a lifetime, near enough my entire lifetime with a team, and that, that is a part of message. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it seems like in the next coming weeks, this is going to be another story that kind of gets dragged out. And I mean, the Raiders with the, the Davis um, owners... You know, my entire life and way before it has always been controversial, but it just, especially when now on the field, they've got such a good project, you know, moved to to Las Vegas, got a whole new big stadium. They just can't seem to escape the off the seed, uh, off the field antics. Yeah. Um, the, the initial announcement by the, the readers about the firing was how cryptic shall we put it that way yes yes very cryptic it was shocking it, it was like uh, um, it, he's, it he's was no longer with shocking. the team and we have no comment yeah like, uh, what, the, what management management 101 i mean oh you know even for that comes under for owners as well to yeah good work environments all those kind of things but by words the guy has been with the organization for 19 years he's done a decent job by most standards but yeah he was um so some of the some of the other words the wording that came out in i don't know was it was it his statement or not not uh, davis the owner um but that there are some really bad allegations uh mm-hmm. as well that are have been brought to the nfl uh i think a lot around um harassment of female employees as well now if that comes out if, if that comes out to be true and you know i, I think we we spoke about this before. The NFL has to have better standards, has to have specific punishments for, uh, and ranges of punishments. Right now, if it, uh, they can say what they want about the investigation, I, I don't feel like they're going to be taking this seriously. the the owners The owners run the league, is what it feels like. And if one of the owners is one of the ones that are being accused of something, I, I don't have much hope. You know, I I I'm, I really despise. The behaviour that has been uh, alleged, we have to say alleged at this point, but yeah, it's it. This is it's another kind of dark time and black mark on the book of the NFL. 
why I said it kind of reminds me of the Was- what's going on in Washington or what has been going on with Washington. I mean, he said, this one of his last comments I've seen this, soon thereafter I was fired in retaliation for raising these concerns. I firmly stand by my decision to elevate these issues to protect the organization and its female employees. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's just the NFL... For you know how how much we love the NFL and you know the project you know the product it puts out there, it's just time after time there seems to be these stories and like you say with the owners that tends to not really be any repercussions. It's 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 hard um, makes makes for hard reading if you're a Raiders fan. I'm just trying to figure out you know what's going on with my team. If you if you're a Raiders fan, I I feel sorry for you with because of what's happening with the office. Much as you see exactly the same way you see Jake with the Washington Commanders. Because this, I understand that this is a business, but you know it's also a sport. It's a game, and it should be enjoyable for everybody involved in it. But when you've got so many things um, going on behind the scenes, that really, it's you know, I I don't even have the words. I've not got the words to describe it because um, it seems that there's so many things which are deep-rooted that need to be taken care of, whether it's done at the the top level by the NFL themselves or if it's done in team. The owner, uh, Mark Davis, he said quite a few things saying, you know, there are allegations of this going on, you know, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening, and yet there doesn't seem to be any resolution whatsoever. Am I reading that wrong? What do you think? think Generational change. Yeah. Generational change, I think, could be needed uh, just to uh, implement standards, implement the punishments for the the wrongdoers. If if it's not a safe, secure, and positive environment for female employees especially, then as you know, one of Jake's favorite sayings, get in the bin. It's absolutely unnecessary whatsoever. I, I'm I'm really annoyed that someone is. I I would put it uh, if if these allegations are true, it's abuse of power as well, which just makes it twice as bad. I think going back to last week's hot take in terms of the punishments for the players. I mean, for that reason alone, I have no faith in the NFL because if the players punishments for anything to do with females yeah. and you know people of the opposite sex and and just kind of assault and these kind of things you know if that's anything to go by no wonder the owner's probably you know like oh that's a blow over you know put up with it for a few weeks put out a few PR messages you know donate to a charity you know wear a t-shirt it'll blow over and um, um, you know we're yet to be proven otherwise from the NFL I, I honestly believed that after the Gruden firing I thought the Raiders had turned a corner I really did Mike Mayock was was doing a, as well a job as could be expected. I think Gruden had far too much control from his position. And of course, you know, when, when everything came out about the emails between Gruden and I, I forget who it was, someone in, in Washington, wasn't it? Um, and it was actually Washington who were being investigated and found emails from John Gruden with the homophobic slurs um, saying about uh, the Rams had been forced to draft or sign someone of a homosexual sexual orientation uh not i mean i'm paraphrasing what he said obviously you just think to yourself you know what what is this guy even doing surely people knew that he was like this 
How did he get the job? And then, the, you know, all this comes to the surface. Gruden gets fired. And then the interim head coach, whose name I cannot remember, and I do apologise, uh, the interim head coach came in last year, sort of, it breathes new life into the, the franchise. People are happier. I was going to say, especially this off-season, you know, you bring in uh, yeah. some of the players they've brought in, you, you, you know, re-sign Max Crosby, and you do all these moves, you, you know, you're excited, can't yeah. wait for the season, and then as a fan, you must just think, come on, just, just one year of just being normal, but what do you say on John Gruden and the owners? I mean, there's no kind of coincidence that it tends to be old white men. Um, yeah. Dave, anything you need to add on to uh, Jake's hot take? nothing that i can really say on the podcast but um <laughs> the, yeah i i'm just i'm i'm getting i'm getting to the point where it's it's putting me off uh looking into when, when allegations happen uh it, it's put me off just the idea of being so heavily involved in the nfl because of like because of the surroundings because because of the the atmosphere and the culture that is happening, whether behind the scenes or not, the amount of players, the amount of owners, the amount of head coaches that are just disgusting human beings. What 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 are we supposed? To, I mean, what like I, I've got I've got a daughter. What am I supposed to say to her when you've got people that are disgustingly rich? They have whatever they want at their disposal, and that's how they treat people. When you you know when you're trying to you know treat them about the rights and wrongs in the world, and you've got people who have. Any, everything they've ever wanted and that's the kind of compassion that they have for people that's the way that they treat people I'm just I don't know what else you want me to add for that it's it, um, I, I do think that if he's found guilty of it he should be forced to sell the Raiders did, did, did something not happen was was it the Panthers owner that was forced to sell am I remembering that right Can't I feel remember. like that happened quite recently where a team was forced to sell and, and I bet it wasn't you know I, I don't know what the what the reason for that was, but I've, I seem to remember the Panthers owner being forced to sell for, for numerous reasons. You, you might, um, so, might be right. So that could be a possibility. He wasn't like any kind of oligarch or anything, was he? Because uh, that that would make a lot of sense, you know, if he was on any sanctions list. That seems to be a lot of people. They just uh, there we go. We can we can stick stick the Raiders owners on a sanction list and see see how how much they want to treat people like dirt after that because. That's that's the kind of things that these guys deserve. I'm afraid to say. You you got a, you got a lot of rich people that do a lot of good things as well with their money, or uh, with their employees. You know they treat them really well. This is not one of those situations by the sounds of it, and I worry that it could take, like, like I said earlier, a generation to even begin to sort this. Because I don't think at the moment with the right right now with the NFL leadership I don't think they're going in the right direction I think they've got really low standards and a change is needed whether it's in the leadership or just in the complete foundations of that aspect of the of the, of the league's run something needs to change yeah and and Jake going going back to what you were saying about um you know punishment by the NFL I mean it's also this it's, it sounds like I'm going out left field but stay with me on this one it's it's coming across as really unfair to the players. And the reason I say that is because what you were talking about last week, Jake, if a player does something, the NFL are allowed to dish out a punishment, regardless of what the team does. Mm-hmm. Surely, if a, a general manager or an owner brings the game into disrepute, the NFL should be allowed to do something. 
Uh, surely they, they have that. I mean, and I know money talks, and you said it yourself, Dave, you know, you know they've, they've got hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, and but it's, it seems to grant immunity from all, you know, just doing the, the, the worst things that you can do. And it's you think just, to yourself, it's just, it's insane. Is, is it Las Vegas? Do you think Las Vegas is a problem? Because oh, well, do you know we, Vegas. <laughs> we spoke about this. I think it was a back in episode number one. Something yeah. episode number one or number two, something in the water in Vegas. I I don't know. You you yeah. could you could have a all, point. Well, I mean, you know, um in the trial of Mark Davis, uh, the prosecution calls Calvin Ridley to the stand. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's so many different it's so so many different rules for the players and for the owners uh i mean you got th- uh, think how many things have happened in vegas in the last two three years that have been sort of black marks on on the nfl you know you've had assaults you've had various assaults you've had the, the owner who is just running uh who's ba- just badly running the raiders um the command the, the commander <laughs> the commissioner uh as they, they, he's he's uh, starting the, the draft from uh, Vegas this year I don't see many positives at the moment for the NFL moving to uh, Las Vegas and to include Las Vegas so much just yet uh, I, No you're right and, I mean, and it also seems that almost every time you hear about a player getting arrested he's in Vegas mm-hmm. for one thing or another you think what's going on? Yeah. Maybe but all should... the meantime the NFL are making record profits so ah, Well okay. yeah see there we go money talks Money talks. Money talks. Right. Um, we shall move on to our next segment. Um, and our next segment is You and McFails. Draft Day Fails. And we're actually gonna stick with the readers on this one. Now not not just the readers. Um, or as they were at the time, the Oakland readers before they were in Las Vegas. We're going back to the 2000 NFL draft. Uh, the 2000 NFL draft, notable for several reasons. Of course, the, the most, the biggest one that everybody already knows about, and I might as well just get it out of the way, is that uh, Michigan quarterback Tom Brady was selected with the 199th pick in the sixth round by the New England Patriots. Then went on to win seven Super Bowls and five Super Bowl MVPs. So he he did not bad for himself. And some people think he ranks in the top 20 quarterbacks of all time. So um, that's not what I'm talking about, though, with regards to this. We're going to be looking at some of the other teams from this draft because the 2000 NFL draft was stacked. Now, a lot of people think, was it? Was it really? Because... You have one Hall of Famer and one future Hall of Famer. Brian Urlacher for the Bears was taken in the first round. He was selected uh, ninth overall by Chicago Bears. Um, Surefire Hall of Famer, went straight in. We all know Tom Brady's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires, he goes in. But running through uh, just just the first round in this this draft, you had um, the Redskins. Uh, there we weren't redacted. <laughs> Washington redacted were picking two and three, and they picked two Pro Bowlers, LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels. Um, we had Jamal Lewis, went to the Ravens. Corey Simon, another Pro Bowler, went to the Eagles. Arizona selected Thomas Jones. Um, the Jets had so many picks, I, I've never seen anything like it. The, the New York Jets 
Um, actually, if I, if I can find this here very quickly, um, yeah, the New York Jets had four picks in the first round. Sorry, uh, yeah, four, four picks in the first round. They had the 12th, the 13th, the 18th, and the 27th pick in the first round. Um, with those, they, they managed to get two Pro Bowls. They got Sean Ellis and uh, two defensive ends, defensive end Sean Ellis and John Abraham. They did, unfortunately, take quarterback Chad Pennington, um, which didn't work out for them, and mostly due to injuries before he, he went to Miami. And then uh, Anthony Beck, the tight end. But we're not talking about the Jets. We're going to be talking about the Oakland Raiders in the year 2000. Now, the Oakland Raiders um, had... Uh, didn't have many picks actually. They only had six picks through the through the seven rounds. Their first pick was the seventeenth overall pick. Now, uh, with the seventeenth overall pick, they had a load of players that they could choose from. Just an, an absolute stack of players they could choose from. Running back Sean Alexander was still on the board. Uh, ended up with Seattle Seahawks. Um, linebacker Keith Bullock. Pro Bowler for the Tennessee Titans. He was still on the board. You had offensive tackle Marvel Smith for the Steelers. Strong safety Mike Brown, one of the all-time great Chicago Bears players, Mike Brown. Linebacker Ian Gold, a, a perennial Pro Bowler whose um, career was cut short by injury. You had offensive tackle um, Pro Bowler for the Green Bay Packers, Chad Clifton. He played for 13 years in Green Bay, made multiple Pro Bowls. You had linebacker Marcus Washington for the Indianapolis Colts, still on the board. You had Dante Hall, still on the board. All these guys are on the board. And, and I thought, well, the Raiders, you know, they love their fast wide receivers. Dante Hall was there and they thought they are going to take this guy. They didn't. The Oakland Raiders, uh, at the time it was Al Davis, was, was the owner. They loved to surprise people. And with the 17th overall pick in the 2000 draft, they selected kicker Sebastian Janikowski. Seabass. Seabass. Huh? Now, some people might say it's not a bad pick. He, he made a Pro Bowl. Yes, he did make a Pro Bowl. He played for a long time. Nine, uh, 17 years. With Oakland, he was then out for an injury and finished his career in Seattle. But, you know, he, he played 17 years and he made a Pro Bowl. I mean, is that a waste of a pick? Well, yes, it's the short answer. It's a complete waste of a pick because he did make a Pro Bowl. Yes. And he did play for quite some time. Yes, but it was a single Pro Bowl he made. And he made 80% of his field goals in his career. 80%. Which is not bad, but it's not great. And when you consider that if they'd just waited a little bit longer with this 169th pick in the sixth round, the Cincinnati Bengals drafted kicker Neil Rackers, who made just as many Pro Bowls and had a better field goal percentage than Sebastian Janikowski did. Now, it doesn't end there because... The Raiders also drafted a punter, Shane Leckler. Now, Shane Leckler was drafted in the fifth round, um, 142nd overall. And he was pretty good. Shane Leckler played for um, what was it, tw 12 years, 13 years in Oakland. Um, he led the league in punting yards once. Uh, but then he did have 96 punts that year. He actually punted 96 times 
twice in his career led the NFL uh, in in punts. But that was more not really that's not really a slight on the punter because it's not his job if the offense can't move the ball and he's getting called on ninety six times in one season to punt the ball and he did it twice. It's an awful lot of punts, but they could have had. A punt return in Dante Hall. They could have had Pro Bowl defensive end Kabir Raja uh, Biamila. They could have had a Pro Bowl quarterback who was actually drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And I wasn't aware he was drafted by the New Orleans Bulger. Saints. Mark I, I Bulger. Mark Bulger. Yes. I did not know he was drafted by the Saints until I was looking this up. He was drafted um, just one spot ahead of Neil Rackers at 169th. You also had linebacker Adelius Thomas uh, still on the board. He made Pro Bowls with the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, at the 199th pick, there was one Tom Brady sitting there that nobody wanted to take a punt on uh, except for uh, Bill Belichick. And the uh, San Francisco 49ers in the seventh round drafted linebacker Drafted safety, uh, Brian Jennings, Pro Bowl safety. The Oakland Raiders, as I say, had six picks um, in that uh, 2000 NFL draft. And looking at the picks that they made, we've spoken about Sebastian Janikowski. With the second round, they drafted wide receiver Jerry Porter, um, 47th overall. Uh, they then drafted defensive end Junior Lone. And tight end Mondrial Fulcher and safety Clifton Black. Uh, but that, was in, names. That, was, that was in a trade um, for, with Washington. Uh, via, via, actually, it was a trade from Washington via Denver, via Seattle. So I don't think anyone wanted this guy, Clifton Black. Uh, but so they, they had six picks and two of those were a kicker and a punter and nobody else even completed an entire season in the NFL. It's one of the worst drafts by a team of all time. And it wouldn't you know, it just had to belong to the Oakland Raiders. And that is this week's Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fail. I always we- wonder if a future Draft Day Fail will have another kicker. Uh, in the first round? Um, no, he was second round. Second yeah. who's that? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> I'm looking up. Who's... It was Roberto Aguayo um, from Florida State. The books selected him in the second round. He's And that was only a few years ago. He's not in the league anymore. Oh, so so that really good. didn't work out either. The only reason that I knew that you were going to say Mark Bulger is because I had two random stats for last week. And... I was going to talk about Sebastian Janikowski and I thought, you know what? I, I think that peanut is a lot more interesting. So I went for Pete. I went for the uh, stats about peanut, but yeah, I think one of the other things to say about the, uh, that draft, it, I mean, it, that was a packed draft. A lot of the higher picks were, I, I wouldn't say complete scuff, uh, scuffs, but uh, you go deeper into the draft and you see some top, top players that did get selected. Um, I mean, Laver- Lavernius Coles, who was oh. one of the Jets in yeah. the third round. Pro Bowler. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was, uh, was he tw- two-time Pro Bowler? Um, I'm not 100% sure about the two-time, but I know he, you know, he was definitely Pro Bowler. I mean, like you already said, Dante Hall, he went, was it the end of the fifth? 
I'm trying to look at my notes from last week, but I think he went at the end of yeah, the fifth. He did with um, Mark Bulger at the beginning of the sixth, just after Tom Brady. Oh no, sorry, in the same round as Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, that was a packed draft. But honestly, I mean, there's ways to get it wrong, and then whatever the Raiders decided to do here, that was just a complete opposite. Uh, I mean, the only one that didn't really. I, I mean, you, if you out the top ten. Only well, well, I say only, but uh, we'll, we'll say out of the top five, three of them were you know pro, pro bowlers. Brian Urlacher going nine was a Hall of Famer. Um, I mean that that draft was either amazing hits, you know, you're getting years of service, or absolute bum. And that's it. That's the only way I could describe it. It was amazing or terrible uh, for every single pick. It's strong comparisons to this year because it was the last year. I mean, this has been my random stat the other week where it's last year before um, this past draft where two defensive players went back to back. And like you say, some of, some of the quarterbacks that went before Tom Brady certainly uh, are not memorable. So, yeah. Be people no. like Desmond Ridder <laughs> who went a lot later hoping that, you know, lightning strikes twice, maybe. Oh, maybe. I mean, it's just when, when you look at some. Draft class. I'd say, like, the, the Jets had five first-round picks. They they actually selected a QB as well in the first they round. Did. And they were the, on, the only team to select a quarterback in the first two rounds. That's true. Chad and Pennington. Uh, very reminiscent. <laughs> yes, indeed. Of this past draft. It's very, very, very reminiscent indeed. It's just, you look at it, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, And everyone says, like, no one knew that Tom Brady was going to turn into Tom Brady. And that's true. Because if Drew Bledsoe hadn't got injured, Tom Brady might have never seen the field until he was seven years in the league. I mean, that's a fact. Drew Bledsoe mm-hmm. was an excellent quarterback. Uh, but, you know... He, he got lucky, he got a lucky break and he made the most of it. And he's had the most decorated career of any quarterback who's ever played the game. So, well, unless you're counting pre-Super Bowl, then Otto Graham has. But, you know, uh, as far as Super Bowls go, yeah. For seven, seven Super Bowl rings and five Super Bowl MVPs, can't be bad. I, I can assure you, I can assure you nobody else in that first round was going, I really hope Sebastian Janikowski is still there when I pick. See, this is the thing, because as I say, Neil Rackers was every bit as good as Sebastian Janikowski and slightly more effective as a kicker, and he was drafted in the sixth round. So you tell me you couldn't get someone else, and Janikowski wouldn't have been there in the fourth? And You know, I'm being kind. Yeah. I mean, they did, did, I mean, don't get me wrong, he, he made a Pro Bowl, but he made a Pro Bowl. It wasn't Justin Tucker. You know, he wasn't Jason Elam. He's not one of those guys. Oh, oh they've got to get got to get a Bronco in there, don't we? Hey, well, Jason Elam's really, yeah. one of the greatest kickers of all time. You know, yeah. both yeah, with both the with the Broncos yeah. and with the the Lions. With the Lions, yeah, yeah. with the Lions, wasn't it? You just yeah. kept banging in yeah. field goals all the time, and he had he had the the record for the longest um, field goal in NFL history before yeah. Tucker hit that insane what was it was it 66 yards it, 67 it was 66 66, it was 66 yards, yards. and i think elam elam was was he not 63 yards 64 what is it was it 64 yeah 64. i i i, oh, no. I remember no was prater 64 do you know i can't remember I need, all, I need all the same when you kick him uh, in in Denver. ah you know? uh, yeah no, i know absolutely the, yeah, the, the longest yeah, it's called cheating 
It's, 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 all, it's almost as bad as cheating. But how is, I'm, how I'm is just, that cheating? I'll read, I'll read you, well, you, you're using uh, certain aspects of the earth to your advantage. You know, first you've got, uh, you know, um, I was going to call it ball gate, but, you know, deflate gate, whatever you want to call it. You know, and then you've got things like, oh, the Broncos trying to take advantage of their home field and things like what that. home field advantage for a reason. It's called, it's it's exactly. So, so what you're saying is that um, fans should not be allowed to cheer. For, 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 uh, I think they, they should stop breathing in so much to make the air so thin. That, that, I think <laughs> if, if that was the case, I think Mexico Stadium is about 2,000 like, more feet than yeah. Denver. Uh, so they should, get get 80, 70, yeah, they should be able to kick 70. Yeah, they should be able to kick 70. 80 yard field goals for, <laughs> in that Cardinals 49ers game. Easy. I'll tell you this. See the, the, the altitude, the effect it has on you? That's a real thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a real experience. Thing. It? Yeah, I did indeed. Uh, we went to uh, Red Rock Amphitheater, which is um, near Denver. It's it's only a few miles out from Denver, uh, up in the Rockies, and um, it's it's a big, it's a world famous amphitheater. <laughs> I'd never heard of it, but it's world famous, and like all the, the like the greatest bands have played there. Um, the Beatles famously played there back in the. Early seventies, I think it was, um, but it's it's built in this natural uh, amphitheater of rock, and it's red, hence the name Red Rock Amphitheater. You know, so they obviously put these uh, steps in going down to the stage, and I I said, oh, you know, I'm gonna I want to take a walk down to the stage, see what it's like looking up. So I walk down onto the stage, and I'm I'm looking up, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I've got photos of it. It's like this is amazing. So then I thought, right, I'll walk back up. To, to go to the bus, you know, because we are waiting for the bus to... We had about half an hour to kill. But I thought, I'll just walk back up. It took me like 20 minutes to walk up those steps. And there's like 50 of them. Because every two or three steps, I had to stop. And I just could not catch my breath. And you're thinking, oh, I think I'm having a heart attack. What's going on, <laughs> What's going on here? Um, yeah, altitude sickness is, is a real thing. Um, and just, you, you felt so out of breath just sucking big wind and i can only imagine what it must be like in these poor um alpaca farmers in patagonia whatever they are you know up in the, in the middle of the andes that must be ridiculous or or the the monks on top of these mountains in tibet the himalayas they must have lungs like a rhinoceros yeah super fit guys even even if they're not working out when you're at that altitude and your body adapts to it you know it, it's no, no point in trying to ask them for a race. You know, the only way you're winning that race down the mountainside is by jumping. So you're not going to see, you're not going to see a prize at the end of that. Undefeated, so, undefeated. That's yeah. the way undefeated. I want to go. Undefeated. You, well, but you, yeah, but you're not going to know that you're undefeated by the end of it. By the time you actually Hi. land, that's on the record. We'll still say one and zero. Yeah, that's what well, that's. That's that's true, but I, I did I did find the actual stat on Jason Elam that he, he was for a period of time tied as the longest kick uh, at sixty three yards uh, with Tom Dempsey, Sebastian Janikowski, ah, yes. yep. and Tom David Akers and David Akers as well uh, on sixty three yards before in December twenty thirteen Matt Prater kicked Matt for sixty four yards. Yes, yes, yes. Again, a Bronco, of course, the Broncos. And then, of course, that stood until Justin Tucker broke it in with a 66-yard field goal, which we might hear about later in another segment. So, yeah, uh, we, we, can, uh, we can safely say that Janikowski was probably not the best <laughs> pick to take in that draft. Uh, but, 
Yeah, it's um, kickers are important, as I can attest to uh, being a Ram with Greg the Leg we had for so long. Um, uh, you know, as our kicker, and he, he the amount of composure that that man shown over the years. But yeah, we've got Matt Gay now. I think Rams are going to win again. I think it'd be fine. You'd be absolutely fine. And yeah. that brings us to the end of part one of the WinFL show. Coming up in part two, we've got a brand new segment with a very young Dave Somerville. And we've also got, of course, random stats. Look forward to that one. We'll speak to you guys in just a second. 